Windhorse has some thoughts about the luxury cap. Draymond Green turns the hands of time. And the Golden State Warriors are golden once again. I'm Rosa Panza. This is the Clinic All-NBA Podcast. I have the two hooligans with me. JJ, how you living, my friend? Feeling good. I'm feeling great. Oh, yeah. Sammy, how you living, my friend? I am good, man. I'm so excited that you guys are excited that diagnosing the lines cashed once again. I know that's why oh, we're all up? celebrating here. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I appreciate your appreciation. <laughs> JJ, hit those coins again, man. Hit those coins. There we go for diagnosing the lines. And you know what? NBA season's over, guys, because the Golden State Warriors just won the 2022 championship, taking down the Boston Celtics 103. 103- to 90 our emotions are all everywhere because i mean we have a couple warrior fans in this pod here and sammy i'm gonna kick it to you first man i want to ask you so it's i'm gonna ask about boston here we'll get to the warriors we'll get to all that stuff but i want to ask about boston it seemed like they had a pretty set game plan for games one through four Something changed in five and six. Did you see anything different that Ime Odoka was doing where the Warriors were able to take advantage of that? Game five, clearly he decided to step up on Steph. And I think inadvertently, he opened up Draymond, among other things. Draymond's best two games Mm -hmm. were the last two. Draymond tonight was awesome, man. He was everywhere, even hit a couple threes. And you could see when he hit that first one, It was like the weight of the world came (laughs) off his shoulders. But the problem then was in this game, we got to what? It was 12 to two to start. And then it's like, we never heard from Boston again, that 21 and that 21 0 run hit. I just think as good as he was this year, I think Udoka outthunk himself. Because when this was two one going into game four, the whole world was on Boston's side. It felt like, you know, from from the media perspective. And then Steph went Steph, which comes with the territory. I mean, we're talking about the best shooter that has ever played this game unequivocally. And I say that as the person who is not the Warriors fan on this podcast. This is not a debate. It's not a question. The guy is going to have games like this. Right. You cannot adjust your whole game plan based on that. They got you to 2-1, 2-2, whatever you want to call it after game four. So I think that was the biggest thing. I just think... I think this is something Udoka will learn from because I do think this guy is going to be a good coach for a long, long time. So I I would start there. I think the other thing... I'm going to interrupt you real quick. I totally agree with you with Ime Udoka. Um, I I was thinking that in game six, this game here, he would go back into drop coverage for Steph Curry and just kind of dare him and just be like, you got to score 40, you got to score 50 in order to beat us. But... He actually kind of played right into what Golden State does best, which is this whole beautiful basketball thing where the ball starts swinging around and opening up Draymond, like you said. So I, I'm agreeing with you that uh, I think Ime Udoka learns from this. Yeah, and just to kind of carry off that and just uh, not to overrun here too long, but there's a couple other things I noticed with this too. So first of all, that beautiful basketball you mentioned, I went to YouTube after this game and I rewatched the same play three times in a row because it defined that. It was the play where Clay came up off a rebound, pitched it to Draymond, Steph came around to pick, pumped once and hit that long three. I think it put them back up by about 10. 
when uh, Boston was finally starting to run back. That was the definition, man. That was a gorgeous play. And then Steph on the next play hit like a 32, 33 footer, I believe, like after Porter hit his three. And yep. the third, yeah. and that was when you're like, okay, this is done. It's over. Steph is feeling it too much. He's pointing at the hand. He's already got his hand sizing ready to go for his ring. He, he definitely went Aaron Donald on everyone and started pointing that finger. Yeah, yeah I saw done. that. So there was that. I think the other side of this and that Udoka could do nothing about, this is going to get, as a point, it's just going to get beaten into submission over and over. Tatum, man. Got to call it out. Oh, he had I think such a good year, but two point land. He actually shot 45% from three. The confidence isn't there. And you could see it, and it got exposed. So if you look at the differential in this game, I noticed a couple things. Take out Brown and Horford. The rest of the Celtics, which includes their best player, had 37 points. They basically all barely outscored Steph. Dang. In addition to that, yeah. plus minus. Jordan Poole got so maligned at the beginning of the series, right? Between mm -hmm. he and Peyton, they were plus 29. The Celtics bench minus that last minute that didn't mean anything was minus 64. That's where this game was actually decided. The Celtics bench got killed because the Celtics starters were a plus for the game. And namely, Derek White in 16 minutes, minus 26, Pritchard right. minus 20 in eight minutes. Eight minutes. So that makes you wonder, as well as this Boston team is built out, do they have some work to do with some depth on the bench? Is it just experience? So I know this was a lot of talking points, but just it felt like there was so much to digest with this game. But overall, man, congrats to the Warriors. What a comeback story for this whole team from where they were the last couple of years. For Clay and for Steph, I'd never seen him show as much emotion personally as he did when the clocks, uh, when the buzzer sounded for this game. I just, I never saw him bro break down like on the court before. You could yeah. tell what this meant to him. So much respect I, to him and congrats to the Warriors. I completely agree. We're gonna talk about Steph Curry. Um, I'm gonna actually toss it to JJ here. I want you to talk about Andrew Wiggins here, playing his defense on Jason Tatum these past three games. What did you see from him, man? So Wiggins, long lengthy athletic big and he kept bothering tatum and i know sammy alluded that tatum had a bad game but you had to contribute that to the awesome difference from wiggins which he picked up when he was in the warriors thibodeau and actually J jimmy butler had high remarks from wiggins but if we're gonna talk about the Warriors, this is just major props from an organization that when they bring people in, they know how to put those players in the best position to become successful and just further improve. They resurrected, I wanna say that word, resurrected Wiggins' career, who had a bad reputation. Yeah, not only that, they skyrocketed his skyrocketed. career because Coming out of Minnesota, I mean, who would have thought? Who would have thought that trading D'Angelo Russell for Andrew Wiggins and the pick that would eventually become Jonathan Kaminga, that perhaps they traded for the second best player besides Steph Curry in this series? Right. That's That cannot be overstated. Go all the way back to when KD left. Yeah. KD should have just walked. Like, if, if this was a standard yes. setup. Yes. 
The Thank Nets you. could have let him walk, or the Nets could have signed him outright. Yeah. Bob Myers, man, much credit. Found a way to turn him into Russell, and the whole time it came out after the fact, they signed Russell as an asset to trade. And they ended up with Wiggins, who was regarded as a 50-50 prop at best. Like you guys said, they resurrected him. And Kaminga, and the Warriors executed something that I think only the Spurs were able to do going back about 10 years, which was they won the title, and now you have Kaminga, Moody, maybe Wiseman. We'll see what happens with him. None of those guys even played in this game, but they're clearly regarded as future prospects. The, the act of winning now and prepping for the future is such an impossible thing in sports, and this is how you do it. Like, you can't yeah. say enough good things. I know I sound like a Warriors fan right now because you just have to have so much respect for what this team pulled off this year. It's really incredible. Yeah, you know, we want to further, I guess, elaborate where the Warriors were two, three years ago after the clay injury, after the Steph wrist injury, Draymond getting criticized, not really trying in the injury season of his two fellow peers. Yeah. And then the next year, you have this crazy season where Steph and Draymond, they get into the play-in and then they don't even make it. And now this year, right, they're, they're favored. I think our boy Sammy here actually said that they were 42 in favorites. Yeah, yeah so they, over opened, under. they opened over under was 42 or 41 and a half to start the year. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, and there there's zero championship expectations. They just wanted to see how Clay came in, um, if Kamingo could actually contribute and develop. And even Andre Godala criticized the front office. They should have traded assets to get another star player. But fast forward to now, after all the drama, they are now NBA champions. It just shows that if you're patient, you have your homegrown stars, you get players that match and that are willing to play within your system. I know that I've been pretty critical of Ubre, D'Lo, <laughs> and some of these other people where even yeah. a simple subtractions here and there and a few additions with Otto Porter and GP2 make a drastic difference with the core. Yeah, and one person that I want to like mention as a core here, who's a big part of this championship, is Kevon Looney. Yeah, like I see, I saw a lot of pictures between you know the three, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, and Steph Curry. But an unsung hero here is Kevon Looney. I mean, he pretty much in that game six against the Grizzlies yeah! out rebounded like the whole team pretty much. And he's been an absolute monster on the boards when literally he is the uh, the, the only true center on this mm-hmm. team. So he had a lot of responsibility. Not only that, he was an Iron Man. He played every single game. He was available for every playoff game. Absolutely incredible. But let's talk about the guy, the man. We got to do it. Stephen Curry. Finals MVP. He finally he finally got it. Even during his celebrations in the locker room, as is getting champagne poured all over him, he's screaming out loud, "What they gonna say now?" And he comes out with 34, seven and seven to close this out. JJ, what were you feeling during this game as Steph Curry started cooking? I felt 
the same as I did when I watched Steve Young winning the Super Bowl back at 94. Oh, and yeah. his famous quote was, get this monkey off my back, <laughs> which was in reference to our other demigod, Joe Montana, which Sammy would agree with that statement as well. Absolutely. So Steph Curry gets a lot of criticism. I think a lot of it, you know, people are protecting their legacies with their favorite players like Jordan, Kobe, Shaq, Magic. But you just need to sit back and appreciate this guy's greatness and how he contributes not only to the game, but to the culture of basketball. And I just want to say, in terms of this finals and how special it was, underrated performance and unspoken characteristic of Steph's game today, defense, baby. People that he defended, three for 12, and he caused six turnovers. Yeah, in this game, he got, let's see, one block, two steals. Played amazing defense on the inside. I honestly was a little worried because they were overhelping when um, Steph was on the block and they were allowing these wide open threes for the Celtics to hit. But Steph Curry really held his own there in really crucial moments too. Against, against Al too. Yeah, Their Al center, Horford, man. Yeah, absolutely. Also getting posted up by Marcus Smart, Jalen uh, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum was attacking him too. But one thing that really surprised me about this particular series for Steph Curry that's better than all the other finals that has been in is that usually you see him moving to get free with a lot of motion. I actually saw a lot of iso ball. Mm -hmm. Literally passing his defender after the high pick and roll, not a lot of motion, not a lot of catch and shoot. It was dribbling to the basket and getting it inside. So amazing job by Steph Curry. Absolutely, man. And you just, these stats for a point guard are ridiculous. 48% from the field against what was regarded as the best defensive team of the last 10 years. Yeah. 42% from deep. Six rebounds a game, like you were talking about. Five assists, couple steals a game. Only turned the ball over two and a half times a game, which when you're playing, 40 plus minutes a game is ridiculous for how much he handles the ball. Just an incredible series across the board. And, and who guarded him, Sammy? What's that? And who guarded him? What, Marcus Smart, the defensive player of the year? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I mean, wow, wow. you take out, and here's the thing too. The flopper of the year? The, <laughs> flopper of the year. All those stats include game five where he was seven of 22, so he, almost went 50 40 90 in the finals insane and he came one three away from tying his own record for most threes in an, in an nba final series like just there is no narrative anymore katie's not there all the gravity is pulled toward him yeah. what he pulled off in this series and you just you can't speak highly enough of it it was just amazing to watch and like, like I was telling you guys, like I couldn't help but rewatch some of the threes he hit in this game because they were ridiculous. Absolutely like, ridiculous. ridiculous. I remember a moment where Al Horford was like Ray Allen out there. I know we've made this reference before, but I want to say he hit like three or four three-pointers in a row. Mm -hmm. And the combination of Steph Curry and I want to say Gary Payton might have hit one too, was just, they were just matching. Yes. every single big three that the Celtics were trying to get. And like, 
I, I don't know. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for this big Boston Celtics run where they would eventually get up. I don't think they were ahead at all this game. I know. I think the no, they 12-2 early. They they had that oh, early run. Right. They opened hot, and then from there it fell apart. So the Warriors went up near the end of the first, and that was the end of it. But I do obviously. I know you guys have your allegiances, so we're gonna tilt toward mostly talking about the Warriors. I do want to just respect what Boston did this year. I mean, this was a team that was For twenty-five sure. and twenty-five. Agreed. They they looked like a mess. There was talk, what maybe six months ago about breaking up Brown and Tatum. Yep. Yeah. I was on that boat too, man. For I was for, too. I want to say for like two years, people have been talking about yeah. it. And yeah. the run they had in the last quarter and a half of the season can't can't be, you know, praised enough. The, this team really turned things around. And you assume they're going to keep everyone uh, in-house. Horford is actually a free agent, but I feel like based on what he did in the playoffs, you, you have to keep him for at least a year or two at this point. The big thing with them, obviously, the questions now, as good as Tatum was all the way until the finals, the questions are going to be about him now. Because Brown was clearly the best player in the finals for the Celtics. Would we all agree, agree on that one? Yes. Yeah. And even he had two really bad games. Those two two of the three games they played in the Bay, he was not good. But he was still the best player in the series for, for Boston. So you figure you got to keep them together, run it back, and you just hope for continued development. And just to... Um, kind of tie up one last point I was going to make in regards to the Warriors with the same thing. Obviously, when you win the title, it gives you a little less urgency for the following year. And why I say that and why I think it matters is you mentioned earlier Looney was the only big this year. I think if the Warriors lost this series, there would have been a lot of pressure to trade Wiseman for more help at a low this point in his value. And now that you won it, you can just sit back and see what how he shows up to camp because this is the worst time to trade him anyway. So for both teams, I wouldn't rock the boat. I think you you run both back. For the Warriors, next year depends on does Clay continue to recover? Do we see what version of Clay do we have? Because as much as I respect that the guy came back and battled and no one deserves us more than him, he clearly wasn't quite himself this year, which is understandable. He hadn't played yeah. ball in two and a half he, years. He had an awful game today. He did. He, he was not good today. Yeah. And, and he was actually 5 for 12 at one point, and he finished the game 5 for 20. 5 for 20. Because 5 Dang. for 20 finished the game. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Can I Go give ahead, my, my flowers, as June would say, to the Celtics too? Please, man. But I did want to pose a, a question to you guys, which is the turnovers was a key component that Edwin would say is, you know, if the Celtics would win or lose, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. 16 or more turnovers would indicate that they're more likely to lose. Mm-hmm. Marcus Smart, when he did get the job as point guard they took that turn of becoming a defensive team or one of the best team at that so I've heard this I've read about this does this team need a point guard other than Marcus Smart like I know that he's the reason why they're winning but I think there were a lot of people have been saying that a point guard controls the tempo and also controls turnovers at times right i i think they are in need of a primary ball handler um mm-hmm. i know that they were hoping that it would be Derek white mm-hmm. but he has to improve his jump shot like near the end of the series game five and game six i mean he had a an amazing game one 
But pretty much after that, Golden State was not respecting that shot whatsoever, which actually made it harder for the Boston Celtics because we were able to just live in the paint and rotate accordingly. Um, so I don't, I don't know what they would do exactly. I know Marcus Smart, he's a great defensive guy. It, it's, it's hard to say. Sammy, what do you think about that? I think their six man needs to be a primary ball handler and you rotate him in and make that guy the distributor, but you can't bench smart. Obviously, I don't think either of you guys are implying yeah, that. Let me put that up front. No. That's a conundrum, right? Yeah, no, I think you start him and then in a perfect world, uh, an example, like the style of player that makes sense as they're first off the bench is a Lou Williams type. Obviously, Lou Williams is a little past his prime at this point, but someone who has that kind of shot making and shot creating ability with their wings, uh, I think is the kind of player they need. I do, I agree with you. I think White was supposed to be that guy for them. So you wonder, do they just run it back, see if he develops also because, like you said, he was not good in this series. Did the spotlight get big for him? He's been playing in San Antonio since they kind of fell off of- That's true. The championship uh, wagon, you know, they've been, they've been frankly irrelevant for the last three, four years, and that's how long he's been there. So does getting this experience do something for him next season? That's That would be the question I wonder before you make a major move. I'd let, I'd let them run the first 30 games with him, see what he can do as that player, and if it's not him, then then you make your move. But I don't think you replace him yet because they gave up a lot of assets to get him, too. Yeah, they really did. And they I, did. Well, Boston fans, be careful. Don't do anything too hasty on Derek White, even though he was a minus 26. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I, I I think they Boston has to run it back. Yeah. They, you can't run the they boat. Should. And I will say with them, I think next year we're going to discover, if, if people haven't already, the best defensive player on that team was not this year's defensive player of the year. I'm just going to put that, I'm going to speak that out there right now. The best defensive player on that team, as far as I'm concerned, or at least will be by the end of next year, is Robert Williams. Absolutely, Robert Williams. That was my pick, Lord. baby. Yeah, that but was you, my put, pick. you put <laughs> those guys together. Pick. If Williams is healthy all year and Smart yeah. comes back and plays the same level of defense with Brown, theoretically, that defense is going to be a beast for the next couple of years. And those guys are all locked up. So Yeah, he had like five blocks today. And just watching him play, like, me and my dad were looking at each other. We're like, one, dang, this guy's good. And two, I wish the Warriors had something like this. Agreed. <laughs> because he was an absolute animal. An absolute yeah. animal. Yeah, for sure. And uh, just as the betting connoisseur I am, I'm just going to throw this out there for anyone who's interested. The betting odds are already out for 2023. Warriors, as they okay. should be, are the plus 550 favorite. Plus 550 as the favorite this early says that it's going to be wide open again next year. Celtics at 650. Clippers and Nets tied for third at plus 700. As a Clippers fan, I think they're priced about correctly. The Nets being at plus 700 blows the, my freaking mind. The Nets? The Nets are tied for third. They got, they got whipped by the Celtics too, man. And they're tied for third. They got but those, um, John, no offense, but way down the list are the Lakers. I just want to throw that out there now. Um, <laughs> Shout out to John. But <laughs> <laughs> just throwing that out there for the early betting odds. I wanted to ask you guys, you know, uh, just like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, um, people were talking about Andrew Wiggins sort of in this same fashion that maybe he should be traded from the Warriors. Do you think Andrew Wiggins is now like... He, he can't be replaced anymore or do you think no. he would still be a piece in which 
you would try to match salaries. Because if you're going to make a trade for the Warriors for a star, the only salary or the only one that you'd be willing to give up would potentially be Andrew Wiggins. Do you think they okay. just keep that core together? or you got to keep him, no? man. I don't no. care if he averaged five points and five rebounds in 82 games. What that guy just did in the finals, uh, especially where Clay's athleticism is down a little bit, Wiggins right. stepped into the role as the primary defender for the wings. Uh, you can't replace that. Yeah, he fits. He fits the role in the team perfectly now, as currently constructed, kind of the way that Draymond does, like we talked about a couple episodes back. That Draymond is better in Golden State than he would be anywhere else. I think Wiggins is the same thing now. Yeah, and Wiggins was the Warriors' safety net, essentially like what KD did in 17 and 18, which was a play breaks down. You need to have someone score when the time is about to go off. And when I say time, it's a shot clock. And Wiggins is that dude. And he does the dirty work. The boards, the t- True. tapping the ball, and- just everything, man, that you want to... And, of course, the defense. Two-way yeah. wigs, baby. Yeah, man, and the way that I was just... This is a very different comparison. We were saying that maybe White will get better with playoff experience. I mean, Wiggins had no playoff experience. So what he just pulled in the finals, man. Yeah. That was, I will freely tell you, it shocked me how well he played in these finals. Like, I, I couldn't believe it just because it was the first time he was in this kind of spotlight. And I thought he was, I think you mentioned this earlier, uh, that he was the second best player for the Warriors in the series. That's yes, what I yes. thought. Like, yes. Talk about absolutely. stepping up on the stage, man. Yeah, I, I would have never guessed that it would have been Andrew no. Wiggins. No. Yeah, I would have never guessed. But anyway, we're going to take a minute. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take a short little break with a word from our sponsor. Hold up. Are you ready for the NBA champs to be crowned? I hope so, because they have been. <laughs> Join the finals action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA bet and get $150 in free bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet during the NBA Finals and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TBPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Guys, I wanted to ask you guys about Brian Windhorse's comments here. Uh, This was after Game 5. Andrew Wiggins had an amazing game. And basically, he was saying, he was like complimenting like Andrew Wiggins, saying he's a, it was a supreme moment in his career. He was a throwing in a trade, et cetera, et cetera. But then he throws down this. He says, they have a $340 million payroll when you consider taxes. You don't just have to beat the Warriors on the court. You got to beat their checkbook. Nothing away from Andrew Wiggins tonight, but this was a checkbook win for the Warriors. What do you guys think of Wendy's uh, backhanded compliment here? <laughs> go ahead, Sammy, because I'll go off after you. I think if this was the Andrew Wiggins that played for the Wolves, I don't give a damn how big that checkbook is. They still would have lost that game. I'm going to start <laughs> with that. This is do they have? True. Do they have resources? Yes. And am I biased in this? I am because my favorite team has the richest daughter in the league. So sure, they have resources. But true. at the same time, you still have a cap to work with and you still have to make the numbers work and crunch them to get these contracts under the book. And then most importantly, like we were just talking about before the break, 
you still have to incorporate that player into your culture. Like, you can't take any player in a vacuum and just assume he's going to play the same or better than he did in a prior situation. So do they have the resources? Yeah, absolutely. And if any other team had the Warriors ownership group, they would expect them to use those resources. So I don't see the relevance of this comment. Yeah, we all know that Wendy's trying to devalue what the Warriors have done. I'm going to just say straight up, no one was complaining that we went over the luxury tax when we were when we won 15 games last year. No one was complaining when we acquired the worst contract, quote unquote, with Wiggins. Yeah. We've been, as sports fans, June and Sammy, we've been part of organizations where the owner's too cheap. Uh-huh. As fans, we deserve the best ever investing our time, our money, our love, they should at least reciprocate it by spending on the team and investing in the team. Don't hate on ownership that wants to win and spend money. Absolutely, that's what we all hope for as fans. That's what you want. You want ownership that wants to win as bad as you, the fan does. Yes. And like, like you were saying, JJ, no one had their hands up in the air complaining when we traded for Andrew Wiggins because you know what no one wanted Wiggins and that contract no one wanted, that that contract. No one no wanted one. him you know who could have had him the Portland Trailblazers for CJ McCollum because that was a rumor at the time and you know what no one wanted to do it so you can't you can't say this now about him it's not like Andrew Wiggins was like we traded for Michael Jordan and that's what put us over the luxury tax like like Sammy was saying you still got to do the culture you still got to coach him up this was an organizational win, and this is honestly an organization that other organizations should really look up to. Like, this is the model. This is how you get people to buy in. You got to spend a little bit of money to get there, but this is the way you win championships, right? That's, it's not right. like baseball, man. Like, yeah. And it's not like the 90s where you had the Cowboys and Niners spend right. whatever. Everyone has the same set of rules, like Sammy said, the cap. Right. And go back even further. And I say this as a fan of a team that bought its two superstars. The Warriors drafted their best three players. Actually, they also drafted Looney and Jordan Poole. Right. Mm -hmm. If you're talking about a team that built through the draft and it's homegrown, this is your example. Wiggins, like you said, when he was traded for, that trade was not considered a huge win for the Warriors. It was considered a 50-50 who got the better of this deal, you know? So... Are they spending way over the cap? Yes, but they're spending way over the cap because they drafted so well that their players are expensive. Right. Everyone could spend over the cap, man. Exactly. And I want to say this to to Windhorse. You know when your precious Cleveland Cavaliers won a championship? They They were over the luxury tax, 45 million. Yep. Okay. So don't I don't I didn't hear you backhead complimenting the Cleveland Cavaliers, Wendy. That's all I gotta say. Now that the Warriors are doing it, now you gotta say something. Now you gotta say that's ridiculous, man. Absolutely ridiculous. But you know what, boys? That's actually all we have for tonight's pod. I wanna thank you two for being on. JJ, thanks for being on, man. This might have been the greatest season of basketball. Absolutely, man. I'm with you. Sammy, thanks for being on, man. 
Thank you, man. Congrats to you guys. Just going to throw out there again that diagnosing the lines is now 7-2, and two, including picking the NBA MVP and the NBA Finals winner and prop. Don't forget for our listeners to California, please support the Californian Solutions to Homelessness and Mental Health Support Measure if you want to take advantage of those great promotions from DraftKings in the state of California. And of course, shout out to to John who's missing. Also, RJ, shout out to our Twitch followers. Check out our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All NBA Podcast, and follow us on Twitter at Clinic All NBA. I'm Rosa Panza. This is The Clinic All NBA Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts. I need a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice.